God is good all the time. Let's pray together. Father, we come before you because we believe. We believe in you. We believe in the church that you have created. And we are so glad to be a part so that with all the saints who have lived throughout the ages, we proclaim our belief and our trust in you. And God, we have such high hopes for all that you are going to do among us as your people in this city and this world. Thank you, Lord, for the 2020 group, for Glenn Powell and his committee. And thank you, Lord, for a church that wants to be all you want us to be. And so, Lord, we come together this morning and affirm again that we need you for this breath, for this life, for our food and for our drink, for our sleep, for our souls. We need you, God. And we ask, Lord, that you would make yourself known and that we would better understand our relationship with you. And we pray boldly that you would teach us to pray as you taught your disciples to pray. Teach us as your disciples to pray. Help us to build a community of prayer so that everything changes, starting with us. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. It is so good to worship with you today. What beautiful music, what a great day to serve the Lord together. Eugene Peterson said, worship does not in itself satisfy our hunger for God. It just whets our appetite. So the more we worship, the more we want God and know that we need God and what we pray and what we sing tells us and others what we really believe about who God is. In a way, every time we worship, we are declaring our dependence on God. I thought this week as I spoke with a friend of mine whose daughter is preparing to get married his sons have gotten married, but this is his first daughter to get married, and he said, it's just different. It's just different, and uh, I think I'm beginning to understand what he means by that. I think of um, the one who said, to give your daughter away in marriage is like giving your Stradivarius violin to a gorilla. It's just... Um, <laughs> I'm pretty sure my father-in-law felt that way when I took him out to lunch and discovered I didn't have my wallet and I was going to ask for his daughter's hand in marriage. You know, I remember that, but not as well as he does, apparently. He um, has never forgotten that. And I thought this week about, uh, about the young woman who took her fiancé home to meet her parents and uh, the father invited the young man into his study and said, so what are your plans? And he said, well... I'm going to study the Bible. And he says, well, that's great. That's well and good. But um, how are you going to provide a, a nice house? You see, my daughter's accustomed to a nice house. How are you going to provide a nice house for her to, to live in? And he said, well, I'm a, I'm a Bible scholar. I'm going to study and God is going to provide. And he said, well, what, what do you think about, um, about raising children? How are you going to provide for children? He said, don't worry. He said, I'm going to study the Bible and God's going to provide. And afterward, the mother asked the husband, so how did it go? And he said, well, it was sort of odd. He has no job. Uh, 
and he has no plans. And some reason he thinks I'm God, <laughs> that I'm, I'm going to provide. Well, when we put our trust not in a person, but in our Father who loves to give to us, we declare our dependence on him. Let me show you in God's word. Would you open your Bibles with me? Matthew chapter six, verses nine to 13. Always bring your Bibles with you to church. We're gonna put it on the screen, but uh, it's good for God's people to be conversant with his word. And if you're just gonna read it on your phone, that's fine with me. I was at a funeral yesterday. All three grandchildren read the Bible verse off the phone as they uh, led in worship. And I was just glad they were reading the Bible at their grandmother's funeral. Isn't that good? So uh, we give thanks for that. Let's stand together in reverence for our God and his word. Matthew chapter six, verses nine to 13. You know these words. That may be the problem. (laughs) We know these words. And I wonder if we could hear them fresh today. Jesus saying to his disciples 2,000 years ago and right now, he says, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from the evil one. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. You may be seated. I've loved this prayer for so long and uh, if I could confess to you, I have tried to put it to words in German and I'm not even sure if my German's correct. There are people in the room who could check me on that. But I sing it to the tune of Our Father, uh, which we're familiar with in German. And uh, my family knows the song. Even if it's not right, they know it because I, I sing it. I love this prayer so greatly. But I wonder, when was the last time we prayed these words intelligently, um, thinking thoughtfully to God and asked him to give us our daily bread. It occurred to me that we often in our family stop to pray and give thanks for our food, but I can't remember in recent years saying, God, I need bread and you're the provider and I want you to give it to me. So it's good for us to come back to this and to to parse words, if you will, to look closely at it, to make this the framework for our prayer. And maybe during the week, you, like I, this week, have found myself just at odd moments saying the Lord's prayer and thinking about what I was saying, about how the you petitions precede the we petitions, how it's God's name and God's rule and God's will that come first before I ever tell him about anything that I want or I need. I have to start with him because he is first and he says, seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added to you. But I have a notion that we've gotten that in reverse and we are consumed with these things and obsessed with these things and somehow the kingdom is peripheral to us. But if we could see things from God's point of view as we prayed, we would understand that the kingdom of God has never been, is not, nor can it ever be peripheral. It is central that he is king makes all the difference in the world in the way we talk and walk and live 
and eat and drink and sleep because all of these good gifts come from his hand. And so when we pray, we already know that he knows. And by the way, he knows that we know that he knows our needs. But he asks us to ask him because when we ask him, if no other thing, it reminds us that we are utterly dependent on God for every second of our lives, that, that our bread comes from him. And if our bread, how much more our breath? It all comes from his gracious hand. But it wasn't until this week when I read this afresh that it occurred to me that when I pray, give us this day our daily bread, I'm not just praying as a consumer of God's goodness, but I am becoming, if I receive it, a conduit of his goodness to the world. Let me show you what I mean, and we'll just take it just a little bit at a a time Give us today our daily bread. As disciples, we depend on the goodness of our God to give us bread to supply our needs. That's the start of it, that God is giving to us to supply our needs. And and even when I say the word give, I'm making a statement about who I believe that God is I'm actually depending on him and confessing my trust in his nature that God is at the very very heart a giving God. The psalmist captured in Psalm 37 when he said, I've been young and now I'm old and I've never seen the righteous forsaken or his children begging for bread. And the psalmist could write that because he knew what James would express in the New Testament in James chapter one, verse 17, that every good and perfect gift comes down. It comes down from the Father above. There was a poem years ago, David Buttrick said that before there was bread, there had to be wheat, but before the wheat, there was a mill, and before the mill, there was grain, and before the grain, there was rain, and before the rain, there was God. And God gives and gives. They asked uh, in England, door to door, they asked people in a survey, what God do you believe in? Do you believe in a God who breaks into our lives, who transforms, who changes our world? Do you believe in a God who can perform miracles? And one man sort of summed up where a lot of us are when he said, no, I don't believe in that God. I believe in the ordinary God. As if our God could ever... (laughs) be ordinary. He so loved that he gave his only son. And Paul says, don't ever forget this in Romans 8.32, right after 8.31 and 8.28 and all the other ones that we love. In 8.32 he says, and if God did not spare his own son, how will he uh, not along with him graciously give us all things? And I just don't want us to miss that he gives us himself And then he gives us his stuff. But he can't give us his stuff apart from himself. So when I ask for his bread, in a way what I'm confessing is, God, I hunger and thirst for you. This is is the air I breathe. Your, Your very presence living in me. This is my daily bread. Your word spoken to me. And Jesus in the wilderness would say to the tempter, 
When the tempter said, just turn these rocks into bread, he, he said, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from God's mouth. And God gives us life, and he gives and gives and gives Again, we trust his nature. We trust him now. Give us today. And I think he has given us today. And Nicole's uh, original composition that she's saying helps us just to sort of grapple with that, that this moment is all I have, but God gave me this moment and I want to improve this moment as best I can for his glory alone. God, teach us to number our days. Imagine somebody gave you a bank account with $86,000 in it every day, with this proviso, you can't keep any of it till tomorrow. Like the, the manna that came, uh, Exodus chapter uh, 36, the, the manna that came daily and you couldn't save it for the next day. Imagine somebody gave you, gave you $86,000 a day and said you had to spend it because every day, as far as I can tell God deposits in our accounts 86,400 seconds and we can't keep one of them for tomorrow. And so we must use them well today. Give us today our daily. You know, the word daily, it's one of those few words in the New Testament that we're not exactly sure what it means. You say, well, how, you know, just get the Greek dictionary out. Well, well, I've got the Greek dictionary. The problem is we don't have anybody else in ancient literature using the word. And sometimes Christians just made up words, which apparently empowered Calvin Miller to do the same. And sometimes I find myself in that tradition. I just make up words. Well, they had this word, epiousios, which either means um, my necessary bread or it means the bread of today, or it could mean the bread of tomorrow, which, is, which really throws scholars, or it could mean the bread of the eschaton, the sort of eternal bread in the kingdom. We're not exactly sure. If you take one of those and make that your opinion, you're, you're as close as any scholar in the world because we don't really know. But there is, I think, in this a deep sense of dependence. God, I need you for this Bread, I need you to give me today the bread for tomorrow. The bread for today, the bread for tomorrow becomes important sometimes. Um, I read this week about a family who adopted a, a little girl and um, she watched her teenage brothers ravenously eat the food, but she was um, troubled by that. And uh, when the food was off the table, she started grabbing food and putting it in her pocket. And finally, they took her into the cupboard and they showed her and they opened the freezer and they said, we're not going to run out of food. And if we do, we'll, we'll buy more. We've got the food we need. It's something that if we've never been hungry, we sort of take for granted, and by hungry, I don't mean that you had to wait an extra hour to eat your lunch. I mean to, to live as some do with food insecurity, to not know that there's food for tomorrow would change the way we live. Um, I re remember reading about some kids who were in an orphanage who eventually were brought to safety after a war, and for the children to sleep at night, they needed a piece of bread to hold on to so they would know that there would be bread for tomorrow. This is so different from our world where I'm told at a restaurant in Japan, you can pay $110 for ramen noodles. L listen, I know college kids who only survived those four years 
because they could buy ramen noodles for a dollar, not for $110. I have a friend who lives in Sacramento and there's a hot dog place up there where you can buy the ultra dog and it better be ultra for $145.99. You can buy a hot dog, but the, the one that sort of takes the, the cake or the pie, maybe we'd say is over in Italy, you can buy a certain pizza um, at Viola's restaurant for $12,000. The salt on it is from, um, it's pink salt from a river in Australia. And people buy it or else it wouldn't be on the menu. I'm just telling you, we live in a world where we take food for granted. So he says, you need to pray for your bread. But the hard part for us is if we need bread, we just go to the store and buy bread, but before there was a store, before there was bread, there was God, and there was dependence on God, and only in this declaration of dependence on him do I realize that he's the only answer for all the needs in my life. If I can't sleep, the psalmist said, he gives sleep to those whom he loves, and he loves, oh, how he loves you and me. Give us today our daily bread. But for some of us, the bread is, is more than that. I read this week again, Justo Trena. You ought to read this book. He wrote, he wrote a book called 428 AD. It's about one year in the life of the Roman Empire. And the first couple pages, he tells about Simeon the Stylite, who was a man of prayer. In fact, uh, when Dionysius, Flavius Dionysius, the Roman general, was going off to war, he was beginning to feel facial paralysis. So he went to this little town uh, called Telenissus in Syria. And there he asked Simeon the Stylite to pray for him. He asked like this because Simeon the Stylite was not called the Stylite because he was stylish, but a, a stylus in um, Greek is um, a pillar. And his form of asceticism was to stand on a pillar all the time. And so he was on the pillar way up there and he prayed for Dionysius and Dionysius was healed and he led um, his troops off into battle and I read that and I thought where is Simeon the stylite today where is the person who believes in prayer in that way where is the one who prays and gets through and Jesus says give us today our daily bread when you pray this is how you this is not what you should say but this is how you should pray with a declaration of dependence on God it's good to pray and ask God for our needs even though he already knows our needs because even asking reminds us that we need him that we can't live without him but it wasn't until this week that it, it occurred to me that when we pray give us today our daily bread that maybe the most important word again is the word us and our this is not the prodigal son give me my this is give us our, give us our. In other words, we're not in this alone. We're in this together. And it could be that when we pray, we are becoming the answer to somebody else's prayer. I thought of that this week when I read that the greatest um, health need in our world is hunger. 925 million, one in seven in our world go to bed hungry every night one in one in seven five million children under the age of five die of hunger every year and when we hear that we we have a sense that's that's terrible and isn't it great isn't it great to be in a country where that's not true except it is true 
in our city that um, 66,000 people come to the Houston Food Bank for food uh, every week, 66,000, 2,800 of them are children. And uh, one, in, one in five households is food insecure. That doesn't mean that they never have food. It means they're not always sure where the next meal is going to come from. This became real to me and Melanie. Melanie works for Yellowstone Academy. It's a, a school um, down in one of the wards. And she, um, she takes care of their books and things down there. But when um, Hurricane Ike hit and, and a lot of kids got a couple days or maybe a couple weeks vacation um, and, and didn't complain about that, <laughs> at least not in my household, um, but... But at that school, the kids came to school every day, even though there was no school, because they feed them two meals a day. And if there was no school, there was no food. That's our city. That's where we live. And all of that reminded me that if we're the kinds of people who depend on God for bread, but we're praying for our bread, even in our prayer, we're acknowledging that it's not just us. It's, it's, it's more. It's, it's people in our city that's why we go down to Street Reach one Wednesday night a month. If you've not gone down there, I went down in a suit and tie the first time. I'm such a goofball. You know, I go down there dressed like this. I'm going to feed the people. And they're, they're looking at me like, you're not fooling anybody, buddy. You're not. And um, so now I go down there in jeans and shirt when I go down there because I, I really, really want to feed people who live on the street. There are, there are myriad organizations. I'm not advocating any one organization. I'm just saying if God's people are not involved in feeding other people, I'm not exactly sure what we're about. It's why Jesus, I've been reading in our, our scriptures this week in Leviticus chapter 23, verse 22, in the Old Testament, God was very specific. When you're harvesting your field, leave some stuff in the field. Don't pick up everything, leave some stuff because there are people who come behind you and they need food. And if you take every last piece of grain, then there won't be anything for them to eat. And I want them to have something to eat. You say, well, that's the Old Testament. Then in the New Testament, Jesus would say to his disciples, you feed them. In John chapter six, you feed them. You feed this multitude of thousands of people. And the disciples say, there's no way for us to do that. But Andrew, who was always bringing somebody to Jesus, brings the boy and the boy brings his lunch and Jesus multiplies the lunch. And then the people, you know, the rest of the story, they follow him because they see a, a free ticket to Happy Meals every day. And so they're following Jesus and they're, they're saying, give us more food. You're obviously, give us this day our daily bread. You're the source of all five food groups. I mean, for me, you know, the, the grains and the, the meat and um, the, the fruits and vegetables and the dairy and the chocolate, all five, they come from you, God. And so they say to Jesus, please feed us, give us this bread. Moses gave the manna and Jesus said, I am the, John six thirty five the bread of life. I'm the bread of life. And a lot of them left him that day. And Jesus said, will you Go away also, and the, the remaining small group of disciples said, where will we go? You have the words. So to say, give us this day our daily bread is not just meet my physical need, but God, meet my spiritual need, and, it, and it's not just my spiritual need. Um, Nikolai Berdayev said, to think about my bread is a material need, but to think about the world's hunger, that's a spiritual issue. That's a spiritual issue. And how are you and I 
involved in that. One of my favorite stories came out in movie form in 1987. Isak Denison had this little story called Babette's Feast about this French chef who found herself exiled in Denmark and uh, she's there and she's trying, um, she's, she's trying to feed these two um, daughters of a pastor and they're in their older years and all they want is boiled fish and potato because it's more spiritual just to eat boiled fish and potato with no seasoning at all. It sounds awful. And here she's this fabulous French chef. She could make so much more for them, but they're content with their boiled fish and potato. And then every, every week she buys a lottery ticket from France. And I'm not advocating buying lottery tickets because I think they're a tax on the poor, but that's another subject. And so every week she would buy this. And one week she wins 10,000 francs, which is a small fortune. And she says to the ladies, I'm going home. I'm going back to France. But before I go, I want to make one meal for you. In fact, I'll just, feed, I'll just feed the little village. I'll feed the whole town. And they say, we really don't want you to feed us. We just like our boiled fish and potatoes. And she said, no, let me feed you. And they said, well, as a favor to you, we will let you feed us. But they said to themselves, but we won't enjoy this meal because that would be sinful. And then caravans of exotic food came in in crates and there was quail and there, there were, were turtles and, and there were all kinds of, of foods and drinks. And, um, and when they began to eat, something began to change in that austere village. As they ate, somebody slurped and somebody giggled and somebody ate and somebody drank. And somebody said, didn't Jesus tell us to love one another? And as they ate and they drank, that um, pharisaical community was transformed into a community of love. And when the meal was over, they were so full. They were so full in every way. And they said to Babette, we are going to miss you. And she said, well, I won't be going back to France because I spent all the money on the meal. So I'll be staying here with you in this transformed And every time I hear that story, every time I remember, I think about the one who gave all of his all to give us a meal so that we could be transformed into a community of love. And next Sunday, we will come to the table. I'm giving you a week's head start to get your hearts ready to pray every day. Give us today our daily bread. And one of my favorite, favorite hymns is the old the old Swedish hymn, Swedish Baptist hymn. Who knew there were Swedish Baptists? Day by day and with each passing moment, strength I find to meet my trials here, trusting in my Father's wise bestowment. I have no cause for worry or for fear. And I'm not under the illusion that when we sing this song right now that our worship is going to satisfy our hunger for God. But here's what I hope that it might whet our appetites so that we hunger for him more than we ever have before. Would you pray with me, God? Thank you for your amazing love and grace, for your transforming power. Help us now, I pray, Lord, to trust you more than we ever have before and give us eyes to see those who don't know where their next meal is coming from. And God, out of the abundance you have given us, Please make us generous people, we pray. We ask it in Jesus' name, amen.